I believe as we approach these last days that there is going to be an end time harvest. I believe that. That means countless numbers of people coming to know Jesus. And I am personally believing, we are believing for 1 billion souls to come to know Christ. We are believing for that. I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want to go to heaven with as many people that, that, that I come in contact with. And I believe that that influx, that gathering of new Christians is the trigger switch before the second coming of Jesus. That's why today what I'm about to share is, I, I think, is something that God continually reminds me. Because I want to share with you really what I consider to be a critical message for the church in this crucial hour. I want to share with you something that I feel like that has been lost in the church and I want to believe for God to do something. It was just a few years ago here in New York City at the Church of the Holy Cross. It was broken into twice and it was the second vandalism that caught my attention. The first time that vandals broke in, they stole the metal money box, which seemed to be normal um, and got away with something uh, when, they, when they broke in. It was right next to a candle rack um, that the money box was. But the second time, three weeks later, the vandals got away with something more valuable and they got away with the statue of Christ. But not just the statue of Christ. The thieves unbolted the four foot long, 200 pound Jesus from the cross. And in, in the meditation area that they just left the cross on the wall and walked away with Jesus. And it was the old caretaker who helps maintain the church was amazed and listened to his words that he gave to the news. He said they just decided to leave the cross and take Jesus. That's the problem today. You can't have Jesus without the cross. This is the most critical message for this crucial hour. It says the great devotional writer Oswald Chambers said, he said, all heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is afraid of the cross of Christ. And men on earth only begin, all are the only beings who more or less ignore the cross of Christ. See, what Jesus said in John 12, 32 is that critical message for the church at this crucial hour, at this midnight hour. Listen to these words that began to ring in my heart. Jesus said this, and I, if I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men to myself. If there is no cross, then there is no drawing of men. It is the cross that is the attraction. To remove the preaching of the cross is to remove the very thing that draws people to Christ. It, it is scarcely preached for these two reasons that the Apostle Paul, and this is why it is a message to the church, to our church, to every church, that we have found, we have found that we can preach on anything, but you can't find a message on the cross anymore unless once a year on a Good Friday. See, the reason why is the Bible says that the cross is offensive and foolish to humanity. And that was put, this is the Apostle Paul who said that in Galatians 5, and he also said it in 1 Corinthians. And what is amazing to me is this, is that Paul, when he is writing this, is not saying these words to people that don't know God. He is writing to the Galatian church. He is writing to the Corinthians, this, these new believers, and saying, don't lose sight of the cross of Jesus. It is the pulling power of the cross that men get saved. If you want to believe for people to get saved, then you have to preach the cross. 
You cannot divorce those two to take Jesus from the cross and expect to have church. What you'll do is you'll get the wrong pull, which we'll talk about in a few moments. But see, this was a challenge to the Galatian church. It was a challenge to the Corinthian church. And I have to tell you, it is a challenge even here in America to the American church today that the cross must be preached today. Why is the cross offensive? Let me tell you why. Because it is the greatest blow to human pride. The cross is offensive because it's a blow to our pride. It gives no room for any of us to boast that we have, that we have done it to get to heaven. It blows away our good works and says we are saved by grace through faith from the Son of God. See, the cross is the only way to God. The cross has revealed to good men that their goodness is still not good enough. See, that's why, church, this is important. Get this down. If there were a thousand ways to God, men would want a thousand and one ways to God. If there was a thousand ways, we would look for extra ways. Why? See, see, here's the thing we should be rejoicing about. We should rejoice that there is any way to God. That he has opened up the door for us to go to eternity. And some of you are already saying to me, are you saying, Pastor Tim, there is only one way to God? No. Jesus says there's only one way to God. So let's just be clear about it. Not me. Don't get angry at me. Talk to Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father, hallelujah, but through me is what Jesus said. The offense of the cross is that man doesn't get to make his own way to God. That's the offense of the cross. You can't come up with a thousand and one and a thousand and two. Men, listen, church. Think how, think how simple God made it to get to heaven. And we still complicate it. You know why? Here it comes. Men don't want simplicity. They want autonomy. Men want to be in charge. Men are the ones that want to decide. They want to decide the way it should be. God made it simple. Man wants to be in control. But here's my question. You want autonomy? Then here's my question. If not Jesus, then who? You want autonomy? If not Jesus, then what? And if not Jesus, then where are you going to go? You got to answer those questions because you got to come up. You ready for this church? You've got to come up with an alternative. If not Jesus, then who? And if not Jesus, then what? And if not Jesus, then where? Who is your who? Think about it. Is it, is it a, is it a, is it a candidate? Is it a political party? Is it, is it, is it someone that has a lot of, is it Elon Musk? Oh Lord, help us. Is it a what? Is it a position, a prescription, a possession? Is it aware if I can just get out of New York or is it aware if I can just get into New York? It's amazing. I was talking to a precious couple just before service started. And as we were talking, the young, the young man looked at me and he just said, he said, my life has been changed for the last two months. I've been born again two months ago. And I looked at that. I looked at his wife who is pregnant. And all I thought was this was, was this two months ago, that precious baby was going to be born into who knows what kind of household, but God saved that father changed his life. And because of the power of God, because of the power of God, that's the altar. There is no alternative. It is Jesus that does that. 
Folks, it is a clash today between the alternative and the only way. Let me say that again. The clash is happening. But even in our own city, some, some official has been removed from office just days ago because of a biblical stance that they take on critical issues. What is that? I'm not angry. I'm just saying there is the, there is the clash between the alternate and, and literally the only way to God. The cross of Jesus distinguishes every religion from Christianity. Listen to what Chuck Colson said. He said, all the kings in history sent their people out to die for them. Jesus, hallelujah, was the only king who died for his people. Hallelujah. While, while, a, while, while a crazed man in Russia is sending young soldiers to die in the Ukraine, there is a God on the throne that sent his own son to die for humanity and to die for these people. If I am lifted up, hallelujah, from the earth, I will draw all men to me. I want to just, just pause here and give three things that as I started to read this this week that just kept jumping out to me and why this is such a critical message for this crucial hour. It is a critical message for the church. The apostle Paul says, I boast in nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ, Galatians 6, 14. He says, I don't boast in our music. I don't boast in our choir. I don't boast in our preaching. I don't boast in our building. I don't boast in our location. I don't boast in our campuses. We boast in one thing, that Christ was crucified for us. That's our boast. Anything less, anything less, you begin, and I'll get to this word later. You'll understand it. When you boast in anything else, listen online, listen Ethiopia, listen England. When you boast on anything else, you demagnetize Jesus. He is no longer the pulling power. I'll get to that in a second. Number one, when I read this passage, it's the centrality of the cross. If I am lifted up. It's the central message. Think of this. Some consider that the highest cross in the world, the, the tallest cross, not the cross itself, but from ground level to the sky, is right here in the United States, in Chicago. It's on top of the Chicago temple, and they say it's almost 600 feet above street level, 22 stories high, and there is a steeple with a cross on it. And I was reading the story that a few years ago that a great crowd collected underneath that cross and looking straight up because they saw a man on the cross and that man wasn't Jesus. It was the cleaner that was cleaning the cross. What's amazing is no one stopped to look at that cross until they saw somebody on that cross. See, many people... In that first century, by the Romans, many people, countless thousands, were put on those crosses. Thousands upon thousands. They, the Romans had massive crucifixions recorded in their history. I was reading of two of those. One had 3,000 crosses set up one day. Another one, 6,000 crosses to crucify criminals. Think of that. These massive uh, 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 death sentences that would take place. But no one stopped when any of those people hung on the cross. Calendars didn't change. Lives didn't change. No church started from those thousands of people that hung on that cross. 
No one got closer to God because of those thousands of people. No one even went to heaven and no one had their sins forgiven. There was only one cross in history where that one man, the God man, hung on that cross that not only did humanity stop, the entire world had to stop. Nature stopped on that day. Because that wasn't just any ordinary man. That was the son of God that was dying on that cross. If I, I, if I am lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all men to myself. The apostles who wrote the New Testament saw that cross as central, unprecedented, and unrivaled. It is his death on the cross that became their theme in their preaching, more so than even the life of Jesus. Think of this for a moment. That the New Testament writers record in the epistles none of his miracles. And in fact, very few of his words, and we talked about one of those in 2 Corinthians 12 last week, but return again and again to the cross as their theme. You never see Peter or Paul talk about a miracle of Jesus. Very few times his words, but always back to the cross. That's why you and I, who came into this world knowing full well that we must die someday and do our best to seek to avoid that calamity. And if we're honest, we came into this world to live as long as we can. But Jesus came into this world deathless, but was determined to die on that cross for us. What we tried to avoid, Jesus was marching to. See, his death on that cross wasn't just any death. It was a judicial death. It was a substitutionary death. It was a death reserved for guilty humanity. That's why Jesus, listen, friends, those are watching from different parts of the world. Jesus could not have died in a sleep. He couldn't have died in a riding accident. He couldn't have died any other way but the cross because it was judicial and substitution. That's why he had to die that way. Anything, any, any other death would have made it null and void. That's why Colossians 1.20 says this, and through him, he reconciled, we're going to come back to this verse, all things to himself. How? May he gain peace through the blood of his cross. I want you to come with me for just a moment. I want to do my best to give you a picture of a jail cell that is forgotten in history. We seem to forget about this unique cell because we're so fixated on a trial that is taking place. In that cell, a man has been sentenced to death. The jury has already determined the death sentence, and he would not just die, but die that day. And then something happens. It's as if a Roman soldier, if I can just kind of give the way I see it, a Roman soldier begins to walk with a burning torch and go down the narrow, dirty corridor of the bowels of some, some, some government building and comes to a certain cell door and shouts, Maybe these words, open up cell's door number four. And in the back of the cell on a mat of straw is a man whose face is the mirror of evil. He's a murderer. He's an insurrectionist. There's nothing good about this man. And he sits on death row. The Roman guard puts the torch in his face and looks in that jail cell that we often forget and says this, you Barabbas, get up with me. Come with me. And there Barabbas says, please, no, no, no. I don't want to go. I'm not ready. And the soldier says, shut up. 
You're the luckiest man on the face of the earth. You are not going to die today on that cross. And as the Roman soldier walks him out and grabs his head, I can see it now, taking his head and says, look, look on the hill. That was your cross. But whoever that man is dying, he died in your stead. You were supposed to die on that cross. But look at him. Whoever that man is, he went in your place. We couldn't wait to nail you up there. But somehow, that man up there, whoever he is, is your substitution today. That middle cross, listen church, didn't belong to Jesus. That middle cross not only belonged to Barabbas, that middle cross has every one of our names on it. That cross right in the middle has my name plastered on there. But I thank God that he can push my head right there and say that was your cross. But somebody died in your place. Somebody stood in the gap for you that that was supposed to be for you. It had your name on it. That's why Rembrandt, when he wrote, when he painted that amazing portrait called Three Crosses, if you look carefully... At Rembrandt's picture, it's not just the picture of the three crosses, but if you look over to the right corner of the painting, there is a figure that you can't miss. The figure at the bottom is Rembrandt himself. He wasn't just painting three crosses. He was saying, I put him on there. It was me that put him on top of that cross. See, we say this. Listen, Christ died for me. What we really should say is Christ died instead of me. That's really what the gospel is. That's what the entire gospel is. Jesus didn't die as a martyr. He died as a substitute. That's the centrality of the cross. I I, I want to read to you that Colossians verse again, but I want to expand it a little bit more. It's it's Colossians 1.20, but I want to read it out of the paraphrased version because all of a sudden it began to come to life as you begin to think about what the cross has done that it wasn't just an instant in history, that that cross is affecting us right now. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He said in Colossians 1.20, he says, all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Now, here comes the good part. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. Look at this. At one time, you all had your backs. You all. So I guess he was Southern. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. You ready for this? But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side. Put your lives together. I love this next phrase. Whole and holy in his presence. And look at verse 23. You don't walk away from a gift like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I be lifted up, some thought that that phrase in that verse, John 12, 32, if I be lifted up, that people have preached, that that is worship, that's music, that's praise and worship. I I hate to tell you, as good as this choir is and as good as these musicians are and as good as these singers are and as well as they sang Amazing Grace and Alabaster Box, listen carefully. 
There is no music. There's no lyric. There's no chord progression. There's not a note you can put on a chart that can do what the blood of Jesus has done and described about the love of God. You can sing as many songs from eternity to eternity. Nothing describes love better than the cross of Jesus Christ. You can search iTunes and you can search Spotify, but you have to end up at the old rugged cross that says God loved us. That's what he's come to do. Every song we sing falls short of the love of God because it's only found at the cross of Jesus Christ. John 12, 33 tells us that he wasn't saying this about music, if I be lifted up. He was saying this, the very next verses, to indicate what kind of death he was supposed to die. That's what it's about. David Wilkerson, the founder of Times Square Church, had something God put on his heart 33 years ago when the doors of this place opened up that we still do every single day. It was to remember the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why every Wednesday night when Pastor Carter, our general overseer, leads our worldwide prayer meeting, we celebrate communion. Every Tuesday night when we do our teaching service here, we celebrate communion. It is a reminder to us that if he is lifted up, if we keep remembering what the cross is, the centrality of the cross, while death ends the influence of others, it was just the beginning of the influence of Jesus. See, that lifted up part, John says it three times in his gospel. Let me just give it to you real, real quickly. John makes three statements about being lifted up in the beginning of Jesus's ministry, in the middle of Jesus's ministry, and at the very end. He talks about this being lifted up. Listen, because in the first time, and we're going to talk about this passage at the very end, it's in John 3 on a night that Jesus interviews Nicodemus. It's the reason why he was lifted up. He says in John 3, 14 and 15, he says these words as Moses is lifted up, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Numbers 21, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Why? So that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. He says that's the reason he was lifted up. The revelation of being lifted up was found in John 8 in the middle of his ministry. So Jesus said, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know I am he. It says, you'll know it. That's why the Roman soldier looked up and it says, when he breathed his last, he says, truly, that was the son of God. It was a revelation. And finally, the response is what we just read. The response of being lifted up was John 12, 32. The response is, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I will begin to draw all men unto me. See, the drawing power is not simply in the life of Christ. And it's not found simply in the wood cross. It's when you put those two together that something powerful begins to happen. Those people that are maybe sitting here that know that the, in the South, they just went through some tornadoes. It doesn't, it doesn't come. It, it has to be two things working together. It's the, a severe thunderstorm and warm air and a cold front. When those two things come together, there is this there's this tornado that begins to happen. That's what happened on Calvary. Love and justice met each other. And there, this explosion, this drawing power. That's the second thing I want to just share with you today. He says, I will draw. I will draw to myself. That's the pull of the cross. Now, folks, this is the part I feel very deeply. And I want you to write this phrase down. This is the thing I kept thinking about, about the demagnetization of Jesus. I know that's a crazy word, but all I thought about was when I think of draw to bring in, I think of a magnet. I think of something that's, that has to draw something into itself. 
I feel this deeply. This is what Jesus said. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men, not to a denomination, not to a church, not to religion, not to a pastor, but to myself. I I have in my wallet some credit cards. No credit card debt, but credit cards. And what you do is, I have gotten rebuked when I've stayed in a hotel because now when I grew up, you used to have to actually use keys to open up a hotel. Now they give you something that looks like a credit card that you have to swipe. And it's happened to me probably five or six times that when I've gone up to swipe a hotel, it didn't work. It just started blinking. And I went down. I said, you gave me a bogus key. They said, what did you put the key next to? I said, I put it next to, I put it in my wallet. They said, that's the reason why. When that card sits next to some credit cards or some other cards, it demagnetizes the strip. So you can't get into the door that you want to get into. If you take the card and put it next to anything else, it demagnetizes. And now you can't get anything, can't get into where you want to get in. Folks, listen carefully. That's exactly the danger that we're in today. Put anything else next to Jesus and you remove the drawing power of Jesus. Put anything else next to him. You demagnetize him. It is a crossless pull that begins to come. Then people end up following a man, a teaching, a denomination, a religion. And then all of a sudden we start seeing the danger that the stars shall outshine the sun. The Son is the only thing that we have to glorify. He's the only person that we lift up. But if you lift up a teaching, if you lift up, whether it's end times or whether it's simply this one part or this part, once you do that, you demagnetize Jesus. He says, I have to be lifted. It's not your music. It's not because you have healing. It's because Jesus is lifted up. Or let me put it to you this way. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's what we're looking for today. It's Jesus plus nothing, folks. You can't add anything to him. We lift up other things alongside of him and we dilute his influence. Let me just be really clear. This Acts 20, 28 says, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, the price he paid. So, so let me just be very clear. For new people and for older people or um, older young people, Listen to me for a second. This is not my church. This is not Carter Conlon's church or David Wilkerson's church. This is God's church. It belongs to him. I didn't shed my blood. Pastor Carter didn't. Brother Dave, we never shed our blood. You know who shed his blood? Is the one that hung on the cross for us. It doesn't belong to anyone. And once you associate a name to any church, that's so-and-so's church. That's so Then all of a sudden, you demagnetize Jesus. He is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He would draw, not drag, draw men to him. Because when you demagnetize him, you have to drag and manipulate. Or as one man said it like this, when men are clever, Jesus is no longer wonderful. Let me say that again. 
When men are clever, Jesus is no longer wonderful. Because when men are clever, then you're dragging people in. When he's lifted up, he draws them in. That's the difference. That's what he's going after. That's why this is so important for us. Jesus draws from every direction. The best that comes out of a death of a man is a statue or a memorial, but not drawing power. See, the Christ of the cross is the magnetism, not Christ the teacher, not simply Christ the healer, but the one that redeemed us, who follow, we who follow him. He has purchased us. It was his blood. There was a, uh, there was a time... Just before I got married, I was intrigued with the life of Abraham Lincoln and what he did for our country, for his destruction and fight against the heinous crime in our country of slavery, and to watch how literally God used him. And I've read from his religious roots to just his biographies and the whole section that I've read. And one of the stories, and I couldn't put what book that I found it in. But there was an old story that many people don't realize that though Illinois is in the northern part of the U.S., it still was participating in that heinous crime of slavery. And auction blocks would take place. And they said that Lincoln passed by one of those auction blocks. But they say they trace back that his fight for abolition was, came from what he saw. And the young politician who didn't have much said he was watching an auction take place and chose to bid on a young girl at that moment to set her free to set her free and won the bid and took that little young girl that didn't know what was coming next and said you young lady are free and here was the conversation she goes what does that mean Lincoln said, it means you're free. She said, does that mean I can say whatever I want to say? He said, yes, you can say whatever you want. Does that mean I can be whatever I want to be? And Lincoln said, you can be whatever you want to be. And then she said to him, does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? And she said, you can go wherever you want to go. And then she looked at him and said, then I shall go with you. And folks, you know why? Because he paid the price for her. And when I look on that cross and I realize he paid the price, do you know what my response is to him? Then I shall go with you. That's what it is. That's what he's called us to do. Let me close with this. If I be lifted up, if I, that's the centrality. He's the cross. He, the cross of Jesus. Be lifted up. He said, I will draw all men. That's the pull of the cross. But let me close with the universality of the cross. And it says that I will draw all men to myself. Some of you are sitting here. Some of you are watching online, different states and different part of the country. And you're feeling this draw. Why? Because he purchased us, I will go with him. I don't want you to go with us. I want you to go with him. That's what I want you to do. Because if you want to go with us, then we haven't lifted up Jesus. 
We haven't lifted him up. If you want to go, I want to be part of that because of music. I want to be part of that because it's in New York City. Then we've missed lifting up Jesus. But if you feel the draw in the balcony, if you feel the draw, you know why? It's because you are part of the category of all men. I will draw all men to me. Think of this for just a moment. He says, if I am, one version says it like this. If I'm lifted up above the earth, I'll make everyone want to come to me. Which means that there's no place and there's no person that's undrawable by the cross. The nation of China said, we're going to stomp out Christianity. But you can't stop what you can't see. I just have to tell you. You can't get rid of what you can't. You can't get rid of the drawing power because you can't see it. You can't see what's drawing men in. And you thought, you thought by just getting rid of churches above ground, it was going to take care of it. Do you know today the estimated followers of Jesus from the draw of all men right now is 250 million Christians right now in the underground church in China? That's, that's the draw of Jesus. I just, got, I just got a video from the bowels of either a bunker. I couldn't tell. I was, I, was, I was debating whether to show you, and I've just paused a little bit. It's either a bunker or it's in the subway from the Ukraine. A pastor sent it to us of probably 20 people around this bunker. And the pastor is leading them in a born-again prayer to lead them to Jesus Christ. Do you know what that tells me? No one is undrawable. I'm telling you folks, we haven't heard the stories yet of maybe what's happening in Russia. You can go ahead and I'm telling you, the world is wanting us to, to vilify because of a man's, a man's ego. I'm believing for God to send revival to Russia. I'm believing for God to send revival to Ukraine. I'm believing for that. God has already sent revival to China. God is doing that. Nobody is undrawable. All men means it's universal. That God is unstoppable for what he wants to do. Everyone is in range of the drawing of the power of God. Everyone. whether you're, You don't have to be here. Listen, online. You don't even have to be here on Sunday in person at 51st and Broadway. You may be listening to this on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He can still draw you in. Sundays is not the magnet day. Every day is the day of salvation. So whether you're in the Ukraine bunker, he'll draw you. Whether you're in a nation that outlaws Christianity and you're in the Middle East or you're in Asia... He can still draw you. My story when I came in, Elder Chris and I were talking about this. He draws people. He, he, he puts people in the right position. On Friday night, I came to church and talked with one of New York's finest, James, an NYPD officer that's not only out in our lobby, but he was watching our young people bringing safety to the building. So when you bring your teenagers or you're in college, we have just some protection here. We have angels and NYPD. James was there last Sunday and some of our security team saw the distraughtness. This is the drawing of God. He was distraught. 
And he was distraught because his younger brother, 28 years old, was literally at the NYPD police academy and was, they said, while at the academy, his kidney failed and said, he is, he is literally on the verge of dying unless he gets a donor. He said, dialysis is not going to do it. He needs a kidney. That the NYPD went after to find a donor for him. While they, their alternative, which I, I bless, thank God for those in the medical field. Thank God for you. But just sometimes you need a miracle. And our security team saw how distraught he was that his 28-year-old brother was going to lose his life. And so our security team started to lay hands on him and believe for healing. So NYPD found a donor. And that was going to do this. They don't need it. Friday. Friday night, I walk in and James goes, I just have to tell you, the, the security team prayed for my brother. They found the donor. He goes back into the doctor and the doctor says, it's a miracle. Your kidney's fine. You don't even need a donor. But I could, folks. I'm just telling you, this is the God. That cross not only draws men, but it's a cross that heals men. By your stripes, we are healed today. It's a cross that changes people's lives. It's a cross that can set you free today. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw. He drew James. He drew Justin. He drew those believers in China. He began to do something in a bunker in Ukraine. He's going to do it in Russia, and he's going to do it in your life today. Hallelujah. That's why the great preacher D. Martin Lloyd said it like this. He said, do not let any conversion born again astonish you. Be astonished that anyone would remain unconverted. You sit here today and you don't know him. You've not been born again. I'm astonished. He can't tell you how much more he loves you than by laying down his life for you today. He's drawing you in the balcony. You may just wandered in here because some tour group in New York said, there's a gospel choir and you thought you were going to hear, but all of a sudden you couldn't leave. He's drawing you. He's drawing you. Some of you have tried to break away from that magnetism, but I'm just going to tell you, with God's help, hallelujah, with God's help, we will never demagnetize Jesus here. We will lift him up. We'll lift up the cross. We'll lift up who he is. So, because that's why, folks, it's no gimmick. Why are people getting saved? Freddie preached on, on, on Tuesday night and 14 people responded to be born again. Why was it last week that 76 people responded to be born again? There's no gimmick. People are trying to look for the gimmick. Here it is. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. That's it. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And you're here today, and you're feeling that draw. That's why the greatest danger facing the church, facing us today, is to talk about the church but not talk about Jesus. It's to talk about religion, but not talk about Jesus. God help us. God help us. Today, he's drawing you. He's drawing you today. He's drawing you to a relationship. He's not drawing you simply to 51st and Broadway. 
He's drawing you to a relationship. He wants to spend eternity with you. That's why he died for you. And that path to eternity was made possible through the cross. Jesus looked at a religious man that thought he knew everything about religion and looked at a man in the middle of the night named Nicodemus and said in John 3, 3, no man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. No man can. And you today who are feeling that draw, you online, who we're going to ask you in just a moment to respond to that drawing, to respond to being born again. That born again, that's not our terminology. We didn't make that up. Those are Jesus's words. In fact, Jesus said, you ready for this? Those in the balcony, Jesus said in John 3, 5, you must be born again. He didn't even give an option. He didn't ask for your opinion on how to get to heaven because you'd never been there. So how do you know the way? Jesus just gave you the way. You must be born again. He gave you the way. Don't, be, don't look for autonomy when God has given us simplicity. You must be born again. Just as you had a first birth, you need a second birth. The first birth physically, maybe in a hospital with a midwife and a home, whatever that looked like. But spiritually, it could happen right now. It can happen online. It can happen in California. It can happen in Mexico. It can happen in Canada. It can happen right now in Pennsylvania. It can happen. It can happen in New Jersey. It can happen in the Bronx. And it can happen right in this building right now. How does that take place, Pastor Tim? You take those three letters, A, B, C, which we try to simplify. Let's just simplify it then. A is admitting that I'm a sinner, that my goodness is never good enough. I need, I need help, that I was born with a condition called sin. All of us were. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's God's word. That I can't fix it with a priest, a pastor, a promise, a program, a synagogue, a mosque. I can't fix it by my own goodness. There's not a, there is not a charitable gift you can make that makes you more acceptable to God. It's only through the cross. And today that can happen. If you are born again here, this is your moment to start praying for those that are feeling the drawing power. It's A, admitting that I'm a sinner. Something's broken on the inside. I don't need a second chance. I need a second birth. I'm not mistakers in need of correction. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. It's then B word. How does it happen? It's believing that God sent his son to be my substitute. He didn't just die for me. He died instead of me. God is turning your head and going, that was your cross. That was your cross. Your name was on that cross. But hallelujah, he died in our place. We can't get there on our own. It's by believing in Jesus. Do you actually think that God would send his own son to die that, on that cross for us and then say to you, well, if you want to get to heaven now, be really good. That doesn't even make sense. It's by believing that he became my sin bearer, paid the price that I couldn't pay, died the death that I was supposed to die, lived the life it was impossible for me to live, and gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness I don't deserve. And finally, see, confessing him as Lord saying you're in charge of my life. That word Lord's a big word. It means you're in charge. You take over from here, God. I'm going to live by what you say. You're in charge of my life. 
If you're in this place right now, I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're watching online, I want you just to really don't, don't be distracted. Don't get up. Don't go anywhere. But stay just focused online for just the next few moments because it's the most important question anybody can ever ask you is, have you been born again? And today you're feeling the drawing power, not to a church, but to Jesus. Not to a music or preacher, but to Jesus. Not a denomination, but to Jesus. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I feel it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I want to start a journey with God. I want to be born again. I want today to admit that I'm a sinner. Believe. I'm tired of my own autonomy. Believe that God sent his son to die for me instead of me. And then confess him as Lord. When you confess him as Lord, he's not in charge on Sunday for 90 minutes. He's in charge of every day. And today, he could be that. He can change you from the inside out. Remember that verse in Colossians 1, 20 through 23? He can make you whole and holy. And then that last part that we read, why would you walk away from a gift like that? Why would you walk outside these doors from a gift like that? Today, you can receive that gift. Christ coming inside, changing you from the inside out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just tell you what I'm not going to do. For right now, protocol and just keeping us safe with the volume of people. We're not going to make you stand and we're not going to bring you forward. But if I'm going to pray a born again prayer, and if you're here in this building and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, I feel him drawing me. Would you include me in that prayer without any hesitation, every head bowed and every eye closed? Include me in that prayer. Would you just hold up your hand right now as high as you can? Because I want to make sure I see every hand. Come on, you feel him drawing you. Keep it up. I want to make sure I see every hand. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Keep them up. I want to make sure. Ten, got you in the back. Eleven over here. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Keep them up. Sixteen back there. Balcony. Let me make sure I see your hands that are up in the balcony. Seventeen, eighteen. All the way in the last row. Nineteen. Anybody else? Twenty. Keep them up. I just want to make sure I see 21 got you over there. 22 got you over there. You could put your hands down. That excites me today for what God has done. If you're watching online, I know you can't raise your hand, but you can type the word, I'm deciding today. I want you to decide. Just type it right in the chat line. Decide it. Because we're all going to pray this prayer together with those 22 hands and those that are watching online. Come on, type it in. Decide it. I'm going to pray that prayer. I've decided that I'm going to start this journey with God. Can we all pray this together? Come on, let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, now we like to say this part loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together. Hey, you may be the only one online and the only one in your home. Put your hands together. We say welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. You type decided. 
And let's all stand together as we get ready to close today. Now, here's what we have to do. This is going to be really important. Um, as we get ready to close today, if you prayed this prayer, I'm just going to ask you to do me one favor. Those 22 in here and those that are online, I want you to text the word decided. We are revamping this. We're going to give you new language. Hopefully, maybe even by Easter, we'll have new language that we're going to help you even on this brand new journey of being born again. But I want you to text the word decided to 51,000. We're going to send you just some next steps. That's all we're going to do. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.